Welcome to worship at Christ Church of Oak Brook. My name is Britt Dudgeon, and I'm a worship elder here at the church and also a longtime choir member. It's good to have you here today, whether online or in person. If you're new to our church, please let us know. Members of our hospitality team are here to greet you after the service, and online you can always contact us at uh, the number uh, that has appeared on our screen or also by visiting our webpage or a live stream chat room. Let us come before his presence with our call to worship. Praise the Lord, my soul, all that in my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives our sins and heals all our diseases, who redeems our lives from the pit and crowns us with love and compassion, who satisfies our desires with good things so that our youth is renewed like the eagles. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. Come, let us worship God. Let us come before God in prayer. Great and majestic God, we have erred from your ways like lost sheep and have followed the desires of our own hearts. We have done those things which we should not have done and left undone those things we should have done. We have offended your holy laws. Speak to us in this moment of silence as we confess our sin to you. Pardon and deliver us from all our sins, we pray. Restore us to new life according to your loving promises declared in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Our assurance of pardon this morning comes from Psalm 32, 5. 
Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. God of our hope, God who hears our bold prayers. There are so many uncertainties in our world right now that at times it is difficult to keep ourselves from worrying about tomorrow. Help us in our times of fear to plant our feet firmly in your steadfast love so that we may feel your presence giving strength to our anxious ways. We offer gratitude for those who bring peace. From the encouraging words of a friend to those on the front lines of justice, we ask your blessing on all who seek peace and struggle to find it. May they sense, even for a moment today, the deep peace only you can give. Jesus told us that the greatest commandments are to love you and our neighbors but there are people in our lives with whom our relationships have been bruised or broken. We know that forgiveness is the first step toward healing. Help us take that step and forgive those who need our forgiveness. Help us also to receive forgiveness from those who need to forgive us. 
You've taught us to love our enemies and to pray for those who persecute us. But sometimes it is difficult to pray for those who irritate us, challenge us, or hold diametrically opposed worldviews. We offer prayer for those for whom we find it difficult to pray. We know you want us to be made whole in body, mind, and spirit. Enable us to feel your healing love so that we may continue to sing your praise. We give thanks for healthcare workers and teachers who are working harder than ever during this time. Help them find periods of rest and rejuvenation so that they may be recreated and strengthened to do the work they are called to do. As followers of Jesus Christ, we are called to share the gospel, the good news that love is greater than death. Open our eyes to situations where we can share this message of love and hope with people who need some good news today. And now we say the prayer that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our Thanksgiving celebration services will be online this year. Join us for services either by live stream or Facebook live on Wednesday at 6.30 p.m. or Thursday the 26th at 9 a.m. The service will also be available on demand. Our family team has developed a special Thanksgiving activity pack to help engage your children in worship. These packs are available as you leave today, or you can pick one up outside the building at either of our, our locations, the Butterfield or the Oak Brook campus, through Wednesday. The activities and list of simple supplies uh, to do them are also available on our website. Next Sunday begins the season of Advent. Join us for Lessons and Carols, a wonderful morning of scripture and song, as we anticipate the birth of the Christ child. In the next few days, a personalized stewardship and generosity update will land in your mailboxes. In fact, I got mine yesterday. You can also view a generic description at the address on the screen. This newsletter offers a glimpse into the ways your giving is changing lives. Let me offer an example. Two weeks ago, our food pantry served 176 families in a day. The need in our community is great, and we are able to provide through your generous giving. When we think of, music, of worship, we often turn to thoughts of music and the songs we sing on Sunday mornings together. Yet we know there is much more to worship than just music. Two of the more important elements of worship are our prayers and our giving. When we give back to God, we are expressing our trust in Him and His provisions. His Word makes it clear that every good and perfect gift comes from God. We give freely without compulsion or fanfare, acknowledging that there's nothing we could give that matches God's greatness, the gift of His Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit who guides us daily. How we give and how much we give is between ourselves and God. Let us now give of our tithes and our offerings. Yes. 
glorious indeed was that uh, marvelous gift at the start of this Thanksgiving week uh, welcome let me just say that personal word to all of you how delightful it is to be joining in worship on this day and to all of you who are part of our Butterfield congregation and our online congregation we are also thrilled to be in the circle together this morning as we reflect on God's word for our times Today I want to invite you to open in your Bibles with me to the 12th chapter of the Gospel according to St. Luke. And I want to read from this text beginning at verse uh, 23, a very significant uh, series, actually verse 13, a very significant series of reflections uh, that I think are timely uh, for this era. Hear then the word of the Lord. Someone in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to invite to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Jesus said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. For a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and I will build bigger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years, so take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who 
will get what you have prepared for yourself. This is how it will be, said Jesus, with anyone who stores up for himself but is not rich toward God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you please pray with me? And now, Lord God, may your word come in power, not in the power of human words, but of your Holy Spirit, that having been met by you here in this place today, we might go forth to live in keeping with your calling and in the furtherance of your kingdom. For we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. I have this picture in my mind that there might have been a little bit of a tremble in his words as he spoke to Jesus that day. Perhaps the the bills at home had gotten overwhelming. And he just frankly didn't know how he was going to cover all of the expenses based on what he already had. Maybe he had actually counted on his father's estate to enable him to live the kind of life he always wanted for himself. Perhaps he was actually doing just fine, maybe even more than fine, but he couldn't quite bear the fact that his brother was doing even better than he was. All we know for sure from reading the biblical text is that while Jesus was teaching, a man in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. We hear, I think, a familiar cry in those words. Every parent recognizes them. Dad, he's not sharing. Mom, she's getting more than me. Please, why can't I have a bigger allowance? These are the cries so often of the human heart. The truth, of course, is that it's not just kids who worry about these sorts of things. If you follow the news, and I know you do, you're aware that almost every quarter of the year, the sporting news is filled regularly with tales of contract disputes by players who feel they are surely worth more than the millions and millions of dollars they're already making. The concern in Hollywood is often far less over the plot line of the movies they're showing than with what's happening in terms of gross receipts at the box office. Ads in every uh, medium today picture the good life that somebody else has that you think to yourself or the ads seem to be implying to you, you ought to have for yourself if we could only find a way to store up more cash. Dozens and dozens of companies ply us constantly with visions of the fine future we'd have if we would just let them work with the money that we already have The biggest selling editions of magazines are consistently those that feature cover stories on which execs or celebrities are featured, those who are the most highly paid. News from financial markets looms even larger than news about the coronavirus. More and more these days, life is about making and managing money. It was to this particular theme that Jesus spoke on this day. This conversation recorded in Luke chapter 12 could really have been pulled out of the front pages of our time. Watch out, says Jesus. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. For a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. So watch out. Be on your guard. Don't be seduced. Most of us, of course, will nod our heads at these words. Uh, We will agree, at least on the surface of things, with what Jesus is saying here. We would all state, if I interviewed you today, every one of us would answer that we know that life is a lot more important than money. We, We regularly say that we know that money can't buy happiness. Maybe a little bit of anesthetic now and then. 
but certainly not the deepest kind of joy. In our clearest moments, I think all of us recognize that the greatest kind of abundance is not that which money buys, but the greatest kind of abundance is a wealth of the spirit, of character, of relationships. Would you not agree? And yet greed, greed is always ranked close to the top of the list of the deadly sins. In every generation, in every culture. It is one of the most dangerous, infectious, and hard to vaccinate against viruses that humanity has ever faced. And we've faced a few, as you know. And to illustrate this point, Jesus goes on to tell us this really provocative story, this parable designed to try and unpack what greed is like, how it works, how you recognize the symptoms. The ground of a certain rich man, says Jesus, produced a good crop. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns. I'll build bigger ones. And there I will be able to store all of my grain and my goods. And I will say to myself, self, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. So take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. Ever wonder where that phrase came from? Right here. I think this is an amazing little parable. Jesus told this story more than 2,000 years ago. Think about that. And yet it is so unbelievably modern. (laughs) In this particular story, Jesus pegs four symptoms of a potential greed problem that a person might have. And and I want to invite us as we listen to this and unpack this story to ask ourselves, is it possible that I'm showing signs of infection? Have I got this illness? Am I spreading it? The first symptom that this parable points to is what I would call an unexamined me-ism. Meism. I'm talking about the tendency, which is foundational to the greed pandemic, to, to look at life primarily in terms of what's in it for me. Until God weighs in at the very end of this story, this entire parable is told from the perspective of someone whose conscious or a subconscious orientation is, I am the appropriate focus of life. Think about this. How do we know that that's true of this gentleman? Well, in just three verses, the word himself, me, my, I, and you, referring to himself, occur 12 times. Self-referenced 12 times in just three verses. Contrast that with the psalmist's view of life. Where David writes, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it belong to him. Or compare the viewpoint of the man in this particular parable with the many other parables of Jesus that seemed always aimed at reminding us that we enjoy the fruit of the land of this earth as tenants do. Tenants who have been entrusted generously by a gracious landowner. And that we are called always to remember that we are simply stewards and that we are meant to share with those who have even less. The rich man in this story is pretty convinced, however, that it is my ground that has done all this. He makes that very clear in what he says. He feels that the main issue is what I will do to store up all of my grain and my goods to meet my needs. My surplus is an occasion for me to reflect how well off I am and to encourage myself to make life easier for who? For me. 
You get the feeling that had there been a very bad crop instead of a very good one, or maybe a pandemic had come in and disrupted the entire economy in which this man was living, that, that the very last thought on this man's mind would be, I wonder what this crisis means for my neighbors. I wonder what it means for my temple. I wonder what it means for people who had even less than I have to begin with. You don't get the sense that this is the way the man looks at life. I don't want to identify with the guy in this story. I don't want to think this guy could be me. Do you? When asked, most Christians would, I'm sure, state that me-ism is a bad thing. Sure, we have to have some self-interest. It's natural to be concerned about what we, where we will sleep and what we will eat and how we'll take care of our family. Jesus goes on in the next part of his teaching following this to, 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 to confess he understands this. But, but what we're talking about in this text is something else instead. In a study by the Barna Research Group, 58% of Americans, that's more than half, agreed with the statement that the primary purpose of life is personal enjoyment and fulfillment. 72% of Americans surveyed believe that people are blessed by God so that they can enjoy life as much as possible. 81% said that God helps those who help themselves which suggests to me that meism is a powerful mindset, still alive 2,000 years later from the time Jesus told this parable. Jesus was once asked what he regarded as the most important commandment. What should be the direction? What should be the focus of life? And he answered, to love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as you do yourself. This is a different way of looking at life than meism. And by his own example, Jesus showed us again and again that a true love of God is always going to show itself as he exhibits himself in a willingness to deny self in order to pursue the priorities of God. Love of neighbor will show itself in a willingness to make difficult personal sacrifices for the sake of others' needs. As one observer has put it, in our therapeutic and self-oriented culture, the first commandment appears to be, thou shalt, thou shalt do whatever makes me feel good, whatever helps me to cope materially. And this is a very different way of looking at life than the way that Jesus calls us to. No surprise, I think we know this. There are all kinds of greed, says Jesus. The first sign of it is this meism that effectively denies the source of the blessings in the first place, even if one is playing lip service to the fact that it came from above or that it's a grace, the actual practice of life suggests otherwise. It suggests, I think I did this. I think I own all of this. And, and, and the call of God is to think about ourselves as stewards and to care for the needs of others. The second symptom of the viruses taking hold in our lives is the presence of what one might call storage stress. Did you notice um, what made the rich man in the story anxious? He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Now that would not have been a worry for him if he was alive today. He would just take out his hold everything catalog. He'd make a quick trip today out to the container store. He'd seek the folks out at public storage. He'd have lots and lots of options. We have entire industries today around helping us to store more, don't we? None of us actually strives to be greedy. I know you don't. I don't. 
None of us strives in that direction. But what do we make of the fact that one of the nagging issues of our day is undeniably the question, where will I put all my stuff? (laughs) Where am I going to put it all? God has an answer to that question. John the baptizer once counseled some people who who'd become sort of worried that maybe their lifestyle as it currently was would bring about the judgment of God. What should we do then? The crowd asked, really looking for some guidance as to what to do to, to stand properly before God. And John answered, well, the man with two tunics should share with him who has none. And the one who has food should do the same. It's not complicated. Sell, simplify, share. This is the healthy way of living that God calls us to. Alongside of meism and storage stress, let me call out a third symptom as it's displayed in this parable of a potential greed problem that bears consideration. I'm going to call it tear down itis. Now, I don't know if Christ foresaw all of those orange plastic fences that would one day be ubiquitous across the American landscape. I don't know whether he was thinking of that. I I don't think he probably was. But listen to how he continues the parable. Then the rich man said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store all of my surplus grain. That word surplus is very important. I want to come back to it in just a second. Let me be really clear. There's nothing wrong with expansion. There's nothing intrinsically wrong with expansion. Living things grow. Growing families and businesses and churches alike need to renovate and renew. Amy and I have made improvements to our house. We as a congregation have made improvements to our church facilities. I am the last person in the world to to stand here and lay guilt on anybody for spending on legitimate needs as things grow. But Jesus does seem to want us to think really carefully before expending our resources mainly to create greater capacity to serve ourselves, uh, to house all of the material that we bought at the stuff mart, as the Veggie Tales people put it. Christ's concern is always what we do with our surplus. What we do with that beyond which we really need to live. In the heat of today's consumerism, it's really hard to to find our way. I I, I deal with it all the time myself. I was just literally, I was yesterday afternoon, I had finished the yard work. I was kind of surfing through my iPad and I was looking at all these really cool speakers that the Sonos people make. This incredible wireless sound system that is made by the folks at Sonos, well, they've just come out with a whole nother new package of them, and the technology is even better than the stuff that I have, and I was just about to buy it when I remembered what I was preaching about today, and I thought to myself, wow, I think you've got the virus. I have a perfectly good speaker system in my house. We live in a society that is just so profoundly skilled at creating wants and a sense of need for that which we don't really have need because we're not in want, truly. But the ability to be content today with what we have or to give thanks in all circumstances, even when our our terms are somewhat modest, the ability to use our surplus for the Uh, for the common good or for the kingdom's purposes, not just for ourselves. These are disappearing virtues in our time. Tear down and replace, right? Throw away and upgrade. Those are the mantras of our time. Increasingly, orange fences surround not just our two small homes and possessions, but also our two confining marriages, our two antiquated values, our two narrow belief systems. We just should tear those things down and expand is often what we're being told. 
But is it true that bigger, bolder, broader is always better? What do you think? Which brings us to the final symptom of this deadly virus that Christ seems intent on flagging in this parable. Poster George Gallup calls it affluenza. Affluenza. It's the feverish pursuit of more because the virus has killed our ability to really taste or smell what we have. I know that's one of the things that COVID does, but it's also one of the things that greed does. It kills our ability to enjoy what we already have. Sometimes I think we need to wear a mask for our ears and our eyes as we go around the world today. Because we're constantly being subjected to the infection of all of these advertisements. They are just super spreaders for greed. They are infecting more and more of us with a condition where, like the man in Christ's parable, we start telling ourselves, I don't really need to depend on God. I don't really need to depend on relationships. Not true confession. Yesterday, I was out doing the yard work, and, and, and I couldn't get my lawnmower started. And I thought to myself, I, I, I'm just going to go out and buy another one because I have the capacity to do that. And then I thought, wow, what if I just went to my neighbor next door and said, hey, John, would it be okay if I borrowed your lawnmower? And he was thrilled that I'd asked and happy to share. The danger with affluenza is that it begins to cut us off from relationships. It becomes a way of exercising our own personal hegemony, our own independence. We no longer need God. We no longer need other people. The man says here, I have plenty of good things laid up for many years, so take life easy. In other words, you know, don't worry so much about character. Just focus on comfort. Eat and drink. Focus yourself on consuming and be merry when all else fails, anesthetize, party on, rise above it all. What an incredible picture of our times. What if the most dangerous virus in our era is not actually COVID? Because COVID's going to pass by. There will be a vaccine for it. What if the most dangerous virus is actually greed? A very small percentage of people die with COVID. What percentage do you suppose die with greed? But God says to such a person, you fool, Christ goes on to say. And that term fool is a biblical term. It has a specific meaning. A fool in biblical terms is somebody who rejects the knowledge and the precepts of God as the basis for their daily life. I don't need those as the basis of my daily life. I will define a way different from that so-called reality. That's the biblical definition of a fool. But God says to such a person, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? And Jesus adds, this is how it will be. This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself but is not rich toward God. There's a famous cartoon from the New Yorker magazine. Any of you ever look at those New Yorker magazine cartoons? There's a famous one in in which a man is lying on his deathbed and gathered around him are his wife and his children 
and, and he is motioning for them to come closer and, and listen. He's going to say something very, very important here. He has just a little bit of energy left to share his last bit of reflection and wisdom with them. And he says, I should have, I, I should have thought more stuff. None of us is going to die that way. Not a single one of us will have that be our thought when the darkness is closing in and we see clearly what is truly valuable and what is not. None of us will say that. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you're much more likely to be saying, I should have been even richer toward God. I wish I'd learned contentment earlier in my life and stopped chasing stuff and invested more in people. I wish I'd taken more of my surplus and used it for the purposes of God's kingdom instead of serving this world's kingdom. I wish I'd made my local church stronger. I wish I'd made my soul healthier by imitating Jesus who gave so generously to bring help and hope to other people. Here's the thing. The man in Christ's parable lost his life to the virus of greed. It took his life before he could even set things right. But you and I have time. We do. This is the good news. So watch out, says Jesus. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for your life does not consist in the abundance of your possessions. Build with your resources a better kind of barn, a shelter for others, treasures in heaven, Be rich toward God who has been so amazingly rich toward you and to me. For I have come, said Jesus, that you might have real life and have it more abundantly. Please pray with me. Lord, as we enter this season of thanksgiving, we acknowledge that yours is the ground and all that grows from it. You provide the soil, you give the rain, you promote the growth. And though we confess, at least I confess, God, I so often long for a steady supply of seven-layer cake I am grateful that you are faithful in providing daily bread. Wherever we have foolishly thought that what we have is due to our own ownership or genius, wherever we have been anxious to accumulate, wherever we have succumbed to the tear down and build bigger lifestyle of this world, rather than committing ourselves to building for others the shelter of your kingdom, Wherever that has happened for us, Lord, we we repent. We repent of our greed. We ask for your forgiveness. Send us forth, Lord, to be wiser and more generous stewards in every place, in every way. For we pray in the name of him who for our sake freely gave it all. And all God's people said, Amen.
would like to invite you to pause for just a moment if you're here with us in person at our campus uh, to allow the ushers to come and dismiss us uh, in appropriate ways today. May I just say how wonderful it has been to have you here in this place. And I hope and pray that as you head out into this Thanksgiving week ahead, uh, there will be grace that meets you along the way. And I hope that if you can join us by tuning in on uh, the night before Thanksgiving or the morning of Thanksgiving to our special broadcast, uh, we would be thrilled to share the day with you in that way. Uh, please know you can watch that special program at any time uh, during these uh, days following uh, Wednesday night as well. And now, beloved, as you go forth, do so in hope and be of good courage and hold fast to that which is good, remembering always that he who is goodness himself is holding on to you. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God, our Heavenly Father, and the fellowship of God's Holy Spirit be with you this very day and continue his good work within you and through you for the sake of this world he so loves. And may God be with you till we meet again and until we stand one day with Jesus face to face and forevermore. Amen.